It's good to be back with you guys. Uh, some highlights from my break were uh, that we finally got my baby girl to start napping on her own. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so she's literally finally falls asleep in her own, which means that Meredith and I aren't sitting on the couch for four hours holding her a day. So it's pretty awesome. So now she naps on her own. It's fantastic. My wife also bought me an Apple Watch. You can tell us so I'm like tracking those steps. Come on. Got, got my step goal that I'm getting. Taylor's also let me cold plunge with him a couple times. Wow, just no reaction. Yeah, I jumped in like 35 degree water. Thank you, Cassidy, by the way. Shout out. Yep, yep. It's been fun. So it's good to be back. Hope you guys had an awesome break. Uh, if you're new tonight, uh, if this is like your first time with us, I just want to say a special welcome to you. Glad uh, that you're here. Glad you're checking us out. Super excited you're here. Uh, we are Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship. Uh, and to put it um, shortly, we're really a community of genuine friends pursuing Jesus Christ. That's really who we are. So we're really excited that you're with us. We'd love for you to be a part of our community. If you're new to faith or you've been following Jesus for a long time, you're super welcome here. And we're really glad you're here. Awesome, awesome. A couple things that are happening this quarter that I wanted to highlight. So the first Friday party, I'd love to encourage you guys to go to that. I know for me it's just great that first Friday to have something to do. I uh, would love to encourage you to go. Also, I wanted to shout out to the SBO team because you guys start meeting, I think, this weekend. Come on. Uh, so you guys start getting prepped and ready for your uh, spring break outreach, which is awesome. Shout out to you guys. Uh, and then we've also got discipleship class coming up. Now, I am biased because uh, I'm one of the teachers. Uh, but I just wanted to say, I just wanted to echo what uh, Melissa was saying. Um, I just would so encourage you to really pray. Uh, why wouldn't I do discipleship class this quarter um, if I haven't done it yet? For me, uh, as a student, it was single-handedly the most impactful thing I did uh, as a student in Chi Alpha. I, I, had a, I had a really rich church background, and there was things that I was learning in the Bible uh, that I'd never learned before in discipleship class. And I uh, just took my journey with Jesus to a whole other level. So if that was something you'd be praying about, that'd be awesome, and I'd love to encourage you to sign up for that. Okay, a couple things about myself. So if you don't know me, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the directors here at Chi Alpha, and I've got a photo of my family up behind me. Yes, uh, where's Kennedy? Shout out to Kennedy, who takes my photos like once a year. Uh, my family, it's not just me, that's weird. Uh, but this is my baby girl, this is Emma. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, Meredith and her are home right now because her schedule has changed a little bit, so it's gonna be like Meredith and I swap in uh, who's at Chi Alpha and who's not at Chi Alpha because her bedtime has changed, but they are awesome. I also get to lead with Meredith, who's fantastic. Uh, Emma's doing this thing. It's it's like literally my favorite thing in the world. She like babbles like, bah, 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 bah. and it's like I like lose it. Like I think it is my it is I'm not kidding. It's my favorite thing in the world when she just like talks and makes no sense. It's inconsistent, but it is my favorite thing in the world. I'll stop everything I'm doing. Like if I'm on the phone with you, I'll hang up. Sorry, Emma's like babbling. I gotta go. Uh, I love her so much. I love being a girl dad too. It's awesome. Uh, I'm from a small town, Linden, Washington, where's Eli? Shout out Eli. Come on. Yeah, go Lions. Come on. So I'm from a small town, Linden, Washington. That's where I end up going to Christmas. I love my family who lives there too. Anyways, can I tell you guys a story about myself? Awesome. So, hey, I played baseball almost my whole life. Any, like, baseball fans or oh, – come on, come on. Okay, so uh, from – literally my dad has, photo, like, photos and videos of me from, like, one years old till 18 years old uh, playing baseball. And I don't know if you're a part of a sports team or if you've ever been a part of a sports team, um, but there's like a really uh, clear schedule uh, that we had in high school. It was like a really rigorous schedule and intention, intentional schedule. Um, so what happened was is basically every single December, you had to decide if you were going to try out. So it was kind of like, all right, well, like I had to decide in December if I'm going to try out for the baseball team. In the Davis household, that wasn't, you didn't get to actually make that decision. It was decided for you. 
you're playing baseball. <laughs> so my parents just decided for me, so I actually didn't get to answer that question. Um, and then in January, what would happen is our batting cages would open up. So we had this really nice, like, indoor facility, and the batting cages would open up, and all of our weight training prep would start in January as we got ready for the season. And then in February would be, like, all of our team practices. So that's who made the cut, who made the team. We're trying out. Our coaches are intentionally training us and equipping us. And then March would come around, and it was game time. And it was, how did all that prep go? How did all the training go? How did everything go? And now it's like, how are we going to do? Are we going to function as a team? Are we going to actually win any baseball games? Maybe you've experienced this on a sports team before, maybe in a different setting, even when we do like school projects, right? We decide what school project we're going to be on. We get our team. We're going to work with our team. We're going to prep, and then we present, right? There's this moment where we shift from like, right, the, de the decision to try out, the training, and the prep to then the real deal, right? Follow me. Last quarter, we studied the book of Matthew, and this is really where Jesus is starting to build his baseball team. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is choosing his disciples. He's training and teaching them about his kingdom. And Matthew ends the, his gospel with these words. In Matthew 28, starting in 16, he says this. Matthew writes this. He says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee on the, uh, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In our biblical story, we're going to take a shift from last quarter to now this quarter. Where we're taking a shift from kind of the prep and the training to now game time, the real thing. And we're going to find ourselves studying the book of Acts this quarter. Which is going to be awesome. I'm super excited. And Acts is technically Luke's. Uh, part two, so the author of Acts is Luke. Uh, he wrote the Gospel of Luke. Uh, but in a real sense, uh, Acts is kind of part two of Matthew's Gospel as well. Because uh, Matthew and Luke both teach about the kingdom of God. They both pull from very similar sources. And so a real, in a real way, uh, this is really part two of Matthew's Gospel as well. Uh, Bible pastors, I'd love if you could come up, por favor, please. And uh, we're going to pass out some Bibles. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. Jesus, I pray that you uh, would just move tonight, that God, you would speak through your word, that you would, um, yeah, help us to see what Luke has for us in the book of Acts, Lord, um, that you would show us what, what it looks like, Lord, to go from the prep for the training um, to what it looks like to actually see the kingdom of God move and expand, Lord, and we just want to see what you have to speak to us, and just pray that you'd open our eyes and our ears tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you don't have a book, uh, Bible with you, please raise your hand. We'd love for you to have one. It's our gift to you. Uh, you don't have to give it back. We'd love for you to keep it. Um, but I'd also love for you to have a Bible tonight. Awesome. <clears throat> so Book of Acts is written by the awesome Luke, who is a disciple of Jesus. And we're going to pick it up in uh, just chapter 1. You guys with me? Acts chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I'll give you guys a second to turn there. All right, you guys with me? Okay, this is what he writes. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. That must have been a sight. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. I'm going to share three observations tonight that I've made from the text. And my first observation tonight is that the church is established through truth. So if you're taking notes, if you're writing things down, I'd love for you to write this down. My first observation from the text tonight is that the church was established through truth. I'm going to reread verses 1 through 3 again. So Luke writes, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay, so what do I mean by the, the early church is established through truth? Well, if you notice, Luke is very intentional to write that Jesus gave many convincing proofs. Now, why did he need to give many convincing proofs? If you think about that, why did he need to give many convincing proofs? Well, it's because they doubted. They were doubting. In Matthew 28, as I just read earlier, Matthew intentionally puts this at the end of his gospel in, in verse 16 and 17. It says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, this isn't like an accident, like Matthew's just like, oh, maybe I'll throw that in there. No, he's like very intentional to write that there were some disciples who doubted Jesus' resurrection. In, in John's gospel, he's very intentional to do the exact same thing. In John chapter 20, starting in 19 uh, through 20 and also 24 through 28, he says this. He says this. On the evening of that first day of the week when all the disciples were together, this is after Jesus' resurrection, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, which is crazy, and he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and my hand onto his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it on my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Matthew intentionally highlights some doubting. John intentionally shares Thomas's doubt and need for proof. In Acts 1, the disciples are literally with Jesus, and he take, it take, he's intentional to give them 40 days of sound proof of his resurrection. I think a lot of times we think that we're skeptical, like we like doubt all the time. No, man, they doubted. <laughs> they like physically were with him. They like saw him. 
He like comes into the room. What? He like comes into the room. They still doubt until they saw. One of my favorite parts about Luke is Luke is like, Luke like gets his sources. That's one of my favorite part about Luke as an author. He is like, I'm getting my sources. And for the book of Luke, for the book of Acts, he is like not messing around. He has gathered so much data. The church is established through truth. And guys, in Chi Alpha, just like in the early church, we don't follow Jesus because he's convenient. Not because he like helps us when we're sad. You know, I'm going to turn to the Bible when I'm sad. It's going to make me feel better. Actually, the following Jesus is very, very inconvenient a lot of the time. <laughs> but, but why do we do it? It's because we believe it's true. We believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. We believe that he is the king of the world. We believe that he is the truth, the way, and the life. And this is foundational to who we are. Did you guys know that almost all the 12 disciples who were with Jesus in that moment would suffer and die for proclaiming him as their Lord? They would be tortured and they'd be murdered for what they were proclaiming about him. Is that not alone a powerful testimony of what they experienced for 40 days? That, that they would die. They would go to their, their, their last breath proclaiming truth because they knew what they were dying for was true. Like, isn't that true, though? If, if we're going to die for something, you kind of want to be convinced <laughs> that what you're dying for is true. Right? Jesus spent 40 days convincing them of his resurrection. Can I just say as a side note of an encouragement, Jesus can handle your doubts. <laughs> Jesus can handle your doubts. That's why I love reading the Bible because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I see myself in the disciples. Like, I would totally need proof. I would totally need to see him. Like, this is who I, I see myself in the story. I know so many of us can deeply relate with Thomas, like, I need to see, I need to touch, I need to experience him. Jesus can handle your doubts. There's absolutely a place for, hey, stop doubting and believe. There's absolutely a place for that. But I really believe that there's freedom without shame to genuinely doubt at times. Um, there, it, just, it just is a part of our walk with God. We, we do genuinely doubt at times. And I just want to encourage you that Jesus can handle your doubts. What are you going to do about your doubts? Are you going to stay with him for 40 days like the disciples did? Are you going to be like Thomas who's like, I need to see and touch, and I want, I want that. I'm, gonna, I'm pursuing that. I want that. Or are we just going to say, yeah, I'm just going to like sit in my doubts now. You don't need to worry about it. My first observation tonight, the kingdom of God is established through, tr tr through truth. The church is established through truth. Uh, the second observation tonight is that the kingdom of God will be established through the power of the Holy Spirit, not human ability and emotion. The kingdom of God will be established through the power of the Holy Spirit, not human ability and emotion. I'm going to reread 4 through 5, if you want to follow along with me. Luke writes this, On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what do I mean by the kingdom of God is going to be established through the power of the Holy Spirit, not human ability and emotion. Well, I just want you guys to imagine the morale in the room. I want you guys to imagine the zeal and imagine the excitement of the disciples as they experience Jesus' resurrection. Uh, imagine discovering something undeniably true that would impact every single human being that has ever existed and will ever exist. 
don't you think you'd kind of be excited to tell somebody of what I've experienced? I know this un, undeniable truth that's going to impact you and your family, your family's family, your kids' kids. Everybody can be impacted by this. Let's go. And Jesus says, wait. I feel like Luke puts that in there to be like, wait, what? Like, it just makes no sense. Like, wait, wait? Why is that? Why does Jesus say wait? It's because Jesus knew that they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that the disciples needed the power of the Holy Spirit. He knows that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only did the disciples need the power of the Holy Spirit for themselves to sustain a lifetime of obedience to Jesus, but also to fulfill God's commissioning in their life to expand the kingdom of God. They were going to go to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Okay, that's kind of a crazy call. They needed not just ability and emotion. That is not going to get you very far. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. For me, in my early years of following Jesus, there was a lot of excitement, which is great. I'm, I'm like super thankful for that. In my, in my very early years of following Jesus, I was so excited to read my Bible every single day, like all the time. I had the time to do it, which is awesome. I, I was consistently witnessing to my friends and my roommates. It'd be like a common thing for my roommates to be like, all right, Brandon, let's Jesus today, tomorrow. <laughs> but guess what? After a couple of years, my excitement kind of wore off. I remember my mom used to tell me, Brandon, life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. At 16, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Life's great. Like, you pay for my clothes and, like, got me great metabolism. Like, what are you talking about? Like, life is awesome. Life isn't fair, man. <laughs> 14 years later, I've experienced really, really hard things um, in life, and I know a lot of us have too, and um, I've experienced, like, some friendships that I thought would, would last a lifetime and, and experienced them kind of rejecting me as a friend. Um, I've experienced um, challenges in my marriage that I never thought I would experience in my marriage. Um, I've experienced human greed to a significant level as Meredith and I were trying to buy our first home. I was shocked at the, the amount of human greed that I experienced. I've seen people I love and have respected deeply in the faith rebel against God and hurt many people along the way. I've experienced a lot of challenges um, that's left me not very excited in life. Um, and, and genuinely, my emotions would be unable to sustain me for a lifetime of following Jesus. Uh, but, but the question is, what is it going to be that sustains us for a lifetime of following Jesus? What is it going to be? Is it emotions or is it the power of the Holy Spirit? Guys, the kingdom of God is experienced in my life and in your lives consistently, not through an emotional high, but through the consistency of God's spirit sustaining us and empowering us. I have learned to hear the guidance of the Holy Spirit when my emotions are low, when I want to go left and God tells me to go right. I've learned to hear his voice as I meditate on scripture. I'm not alone when I'm reading the Bible. I'm with the spirit of God as I'm reading the Bible and he's instructing me. He's teaching me. He's shepherding me. He's guiding me as I read. I'm not alone when I meditate on the scripture. I've learned to hear his voice on a Tuesday night message when, when whoever's teaching says something and the Holy Spirit goes, that's for you. I've learned to hear the Lord call it my character. I've heard, I've heard the spirit of God call it my character and say, that is causing you to stumble in your relationship with me. That is causing you to stumble in your relationship with your wife. You need to repent of that. I've learned to hear from the Lord. Do you hear from him? Not only do we have to experience personally the power of God's Holy Spirit in our lives, but we have to also trust him to fulfill the Great Commission. 
Because for me, every single time I've seen God do something for the kingdom, it's never by my power. It's always by the Holy Spirit. And, and that is such a testament. If we go, if we believe this quarter, like, God has something for me, and I'm going to go off of my human ability and emotion, you will burn out. It will not happen. We have to trust God's power and his Holy Spirit. I'll never forget when I went to SBO. It was like my second or third year. went to Montana State University, and we were kind of at this, like, free speech area on campus. And we'd been trained and prepped for, like, this. We had this big whiteboard um, with some questions that were intentionally to draw, like, atheists and agnostic students. And I remember we had this, like, really intense training, and I was like, I'm ready. I'm going to, like, you know, teach the truth. I'm going to, like, help these, these students repent. You know, I'm so young. And I remember I've had, like, having these, like, you know, discussions with students, and there just wasn't really fruit at the end of the, this. You know, we talked for an hour, and it was just nothing really changed. And I remember getting frustrated, like, why is nothing happening? Like, what am I even doing here? And I remember the Lord saying, maybe you should invite me into today. And I'm like, uh, okay, okay. So I was like, so I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to sit down. Very humbling, but okay. Sit down, and he's like, I want you to pray um, that I do something. And I'm like, okay. So I literally see this bench in front of me. There's this bench. All these students, there's, there's like thousands of students walking around. There's this bench like right in front of me, like 50 feet in front of me. I sit down, and I go, okay, Lord, tell you what. How about the next person that sits on that bench I'll talk to? Show me what you got. <laughs> I'm like, let's do it. Like, I'm down. So probably like 40 seconds later, this guy sits down. So I, you know, I get up over and I'm like, what's up, man? How's it going? My name's Brandon. This is what I'm doing. I'm here. I'm from, uh, this is where I'm from. Would love to get to know you. Just talking about, this is what we're talking about. And we start this conversation and I realized like 60 seconds in, this guy is wearing a hat from my hometown. It, it was literally a sports shop from my hometown only. That, that is the only, that, that, that hat is only from my hometown. And I was like, dude, do you know that? And he's like, yeah, I got relatives there. Like I've been there before. Do you know that? And I'm like, dude, let me tell you. What just happened? And I got to tell him, like, bro, just being honest, like, this is what just happened. Like, I just prayed, and I told, like, this is what I'm doing, and I just don't think this is a coincidence <laughs> at all, buddy, that, like, you're wearing a hat from my hometown. I don't care how small you are. And I got to share with him my testimony, and I got to hear from him, and he was so receptive and was like, dude, this is actually crazy. Like, your testimony is so similar to where I am in my faith journey. Like, how is that not the Holy Spirit, guys? <laughs> It took me sitting down and just going, all right, I'll obey. Boom. Most fruitful part of the day, right? Why did Jesus tell them to wait? He knew that they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. He knows that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you, what's your relationship with the Holy Spirit like? Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Maybe tonight, this is the first time you've ever heard of him. Uh, maybe you have a, a church background, or maybe you guys didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Maybe you have a church background, you talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Uh, what's your relationship with him like? Maybe you came back from break, and you're feeling like a little mundane. Uh, maybe there's an emotional high in fall, like really excited about my core, and really excited about reading the Bible, these disciplines. And maybe it petered off a little bit over the break, and you're feeling like, man, I haven't connected with God in a while. What's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Can I ask, would you be willing to just make it your goal to learn more about him this quarter, no matter where you are? When Jesus says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age, that promise in his great commission, you have the Holy Spirit. He is the fulfillment of that promise. When Jesus says, I will be with you always, he's literally prophesying and saying the Holy Spirit is going to come. He is literally going to come and be with you. kingdom of God is going to be established through the power of the Holy Spirit, not human ability and emotion. 
The third and final observation tonight is that the role of the disciples is to make more disciples. Someone say amen. Come on. The role of the disciples is to make more disciples. Let's read 6 through 9. Acts 1, 6 through 9. Luke writes this. He says, then they gathered around Jesus and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. I'm sure that the disciples felt this kind of shift. That's kind of the shift from the prep, from the training. Like, man, these, these 40 days of, like, experiencing your convincing truth and your teaching Jesus has been great. And then he's like, all right, go to the ends of the earth. <laughs> I'm sure they felt that shift of, whoa, okay, it's game time. Right? Jesus has been with them. He's been, like, discussing campfires, like, with them. Like, every night, I'm sure, like, I have so many questions. They've been, like, up close and personal receiving his discipleship. He's been able to show them his hands and his side. He's been up close, and now, now he's ascended to the Father. In baseball, uh, clearly the role of the baseball team is just score more points than the other team. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Just score more points and you win. Um, but there's unique roles that every single player plays in order to fulfill that goal. So if you're on defense, maybe you're playing in the infield, maybe you're pitching, maybe you're a catcher, maybe you play in the outfield. When you're on offense, maybe you're like laying a sacrifice bunt, maybe you're stealing. Everybody has a role to play in order to fulfill what the team needs, which is to win. As disciples of Jesus, our role is to make more disciples. That's who we are. That's our call. Make more disciples. Discipleship is not an individual decision that impacts nobody around us. We, we cannot say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, but this disciple-making stuff is not for me. That is unbiblical. We, can, we can't say that. We have to be willing, we have to say, yes, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I will make disciples. Discipleship always has been and always will be done in community. And not only in our Chi Alpha community, but we're called to make disciples outside of our community as well. Right? You guys are uniquely here for a reason. The Lord has you here for a reason. You've got roommates for a reason. You've got classmates for a reason. What role does Jesus have for you this quarter in establishing his kingdom at Central? You should write that down. What role does Jesus have for me this quarter in establishing his kingdom at Central? Can we just acknowledge how incredible it is that he wants you to participate? That, that he's just not going to be the pitcher that throws 106 miles an hour that nobody can hit and is a strikeout, 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 strikeout. No, he actually has a, a role for you, role for you, role for you on my team. That Jesus specifically wants you to participate in his kingdom expansion. Isn't that just incredible? Have you ever just stopped and just prayed and said, Lord, what, what do you have for me this quarter? Holy Spirit, what, what do you have for me this week? What, how can I participate? How can I partner with you and partner with your Holy Spirit in establishing your kingdom here at Central? One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2.10, where Paul writes, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Feel like God has created you to do good works, and he's got a plan for you that he's prepared, prepared in advance for you to do, that you can do, I can't do. He has a unique call in your life, a unique purpose for your quarter, and he just asks that you partner with him. He's not giving you an, a, a task that is impossible. He actually wants to partner alongside you with his Holy Spirit. 
Have you ever just stopped and prayed and asked the Lord what good works he has for me? Lord, what good works do you have in my life, in my future, this quarter, today? What do you have for me? As we conclude tonight, worship team, you guys can come on up. I'm really excited to continue journeying through Acts this quarter. Taylor is going to be teaching on Acts chapter 2 next week. I'm super excited. I'm really excited to see how Jesus is going to take his disciples from the prep and the training to go time. I simply have one question for you tonight, very simple. What is something that you want to take with you tonight for the rest of the quarter? What is something that you want to take with you tonight? Maybe it's praying and engaging more with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're like, man, I I just want to talk to my facilitator. I have so many questions about the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to partner with him? What does it look like to receive his power? What? I have so many questions. Maybe that's, maybe that's a journey for you this quarter. Uh, maybe it's pursuing truth and asking God to reveal himself more. Maybe you'd say, man, I haven't really pursued truth. I haven't really pursued like how true Christianity is. I, I, need to, I need to actually take this seriously. Or maybe for you, it's I need to respond to the call to make more disciples. I've been, I've, I believe I'm a disciple and I'm following Jesus for so many years, but I've never actually thought about making disciples seriously. Maybe you need to talk to the Lord about what that looks like for you. Talk to your facilitator. How can I, what, what does that look like for me this quarter? I think a lot of times we like to like rush in the quarter. We get really excited. Class starts tomorrow. We get busy. I just encourage you, what is, what is one thing the Lord wants to take with you tonight that's going to be with you all quarter? I'll pray and then we'll close. Jesus, thank you that um, we know that even, even now, God, your presence is moving. Your spirit is moving. I just pray that you would show us what you have for us this quarter. And, and show us um, what it looks like to partner with you and, and show us what it looks like to receive your Holy Spirit and, and his guidance and his, um, yeah, just what he does every single day for us, Lord. I pray that um, you would just speak tonight, that you would um, guide us into worship and be with us, Lord. And as we journal and we think about what's something we can take with us tonight, pray that you just move. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.